Welcome to the Canadian Side Hustle and Business Podcast. I'm your host, Irene Roussel. To my regular listeners, welcome back. You're in for an awesome treat. Before we get started, be sure to hit that follow button on Apple Podcasts and Spotify Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast so that you don't miss out on a new episode. And... Most importantly, if you love this episode, please rate and review it on Apple Podcasts. This helps to elevate our brand, and I would be most grateful to you. With me, all the way from BC, is my new guest, Miss Christina Bangma. Welcome, Christina. Hello, Irenia. Thank you so much for having me on the show today. I'm super excited to be here. Well, I am delighted to have you here because I know that you have a fantastic story to share. And it is an area which I haven't explored that much. However, as you are a businesswoman, an author, and a personal trainer, I'm just very fascinated by your story. So let's get into it. Let's get our listeners acquainted with Christina. And how did you become the woman that you are today? Well, thank you, Irina. I am a personal trainer. I started my business in 2003 uh, called Kids Energy Training Inc. Um, On top of that, I started training triathletes um, and then a cycling club. I have a, a large cycling club that meets every summer, training for long distance events and charity events. And then on top of that, I also uh, wrote a book called Athlete at Heart, which describes my journey of being diagnosed with a rare genetic heart disease. Oh my goodness. I know why I connected with you. It was because of your book, Athlete at Heart. I was so fascinated by your story. So let's get our listeners acquainted to this disease that you were diagnosed with. What is it? And also, why did you write this book? Absolutely. The disease is uh, very rare, so very few people know about it. It's called arrhythmogenic right ventricular cardiomyopathy, or ARVC for short. And it is a progressive disease uh, which gets worse with exercise. So as someone who spent my entire life building a life around exercise, it was a very devastating diagnosis. So I had to find a way to change my identity, change the way I did my business, um, pretty much change everything in short, um, to create a new life that was, um, that I could live with this disease and and still, still train clients and still do what I love to do, which is my biggest passion, which is helping other people live their healthy, their healthiest and best lives. So I'm curious, like what happened? How did you find out? Yeah, it's a scary disease because most people don't find out until they go into cardiac arrest and very few people survive. So I was very fortunate that I had some signs and symptoms when I was racing uh, on a bike, mainly when I was pushing it really hard, I would feel faint and lightheaded and dizzy and a little bit nauseous. 
and these were unusual symptoms for me at this at this level and I went in to get tested and what they told me is that my heart was going to ventricular tachycardia and at any point in those times that it was happening multiple times the five months before I went to see the doctor my heart could have stopped so I it was very yeah I (laughs) consider myself very very lucky yeah yeah, so I have an ICD. They gave me an ICD, which is a implanted cardio defibrillator, and it will restart my heart for me if my if my heart ever stops. But I am no longer allowed to race or train at a competitive level, and can only do mild, moderate exercise. But you're a personal trainer, so how did you, you know, get around this? Yeah. Well, there's many different levels of the disease. And I am still, again, considering myself very fortunate that I found a doctor and a team of doctors and, that could help me maintain a more active lifestyle. And some people, either they don't react well to the medication or their disease is further progressed than mine. So they can't be as active as I currently am. And because it is progressive, I'm not sure how long I will remain this active. But I'm trying to do what I can to, with the knowledge that I have as a trainer and knowledge about my body, to create a training program that is healthy for me, doesn't progress my disease, and allows me to interact with my clients. Um, I can't race and train with them and run up mountains like I used to with them, but I can still coach them to do what they need to do uh, to, to accomplish these awesome goals that they have. And you're coaching from an experienced perspective. So you wrote a book. So what is the book about? Yeah, the book is about specifically my disease and and my journey of, you know, when you're diagnosed with something, the denial that you have, the anger, frustration, and then the point where you need to make a choice. Am I going to let this disease destroy me or am I going to use it as an opportunity to create something better, something good. And I decided that I was gonna create something good and I had no clue how that was gonna work. But once I did, I promised myself I would write the book of how I did it to get to the other side, whatever the other side looked like. So that's the book, it's, it's my journey, um, the tools that I used to change my perspective of my life and into a, a perspective of extreme gratitude instead of anger at the injustice of my diagnosis. So let's go into, you know, you had an identity. You were a professional athlete, right? Correct. And then you got diagnosed and then everything changed. Let's dive a little bit into that. Yeah, when you revolve everything around fitness, you know, my friends, my relationships, uh, everything, absolutely, and you take that away, I had to look at who was I, and what I realized is that I needed to separate what I did, which was the sports and the work, from who I was, and that was a really difficult concept for me to grasp. I needed to use a combination of therapy, Buddhist meditation, Buddhist teachings, and some meditation all connected together to help me change my perspective of who, who, was, who was I in the world and what was my purpose. 
And in the end, I kind of came around full circle that I am always going to be an athlete, hence, hence the name of the book. I'm always going to be an athlete at heart, no matter how much physical activity I do or don't do. That mindset, that personality, that way of thinking is always going to be with you. And you never lose that. You just channel it differently. And I need mm. to learn how to channel it into different areas instead of a competitive sports. Amazing. And who did you write this book for? Initially, I wrote the first copy for myself. It was really? extremely, <laughs> yes, it was, you'll never see that one. Nobody will ever see that first draft. It was extremely therapeutic. Um, a lot of anger, a lot of frustration. And then the second uh, copy was, again, very therapeutic, but I had to look at each situation and see, well, what was I thinking? What was really going on there? What was reality? And what was the story that I was telling myself? And then the third copy was, okay, how will this help other people? So I initially wrote it for other people with, with ARBC or diagnosed with a heart disease, but it actually is good for anybody. Anybody can relate. They don't need to have heart disease. If you're looking to make a change or uh, you have a drastic life uh, change in your life, a divorce, a loss of job, uh, anything like that, this you could use those tools that I learned to help move you into that next level, to help you move forward. So mm -hmm. I wrote it for pretty much anybody looking to, to, to get, do a change, to do something different with their life. Wow. So when you were diagnosed with ARVC, you were told you couldn't move an inch do anything well, right <laughs> no i can move they allowed me to do lawn bowling and golf wow. for the two activities now that was 2016 so that's several years ago so because the disease is so rare they didn't know very much about it and most mm -hmm. of the time they only um diagnosed it with autopsy so now mm -hmm. we have icds earlier we have you know better imaging so people can get diagnosed sooner. So they now just recently in this last year, they changed the recommendations and allow us to do some exercise. But when you tell an athlete who I used to ride, you know, 160 kilometers on a weekend, you know, one mm -hmm. ride, that yeah. they can do some exercise. Well, what does that mean? Does that mean I just do 100 kilometers or 60 kilometers? You know, it's very, it's, it's very open for interpretation. So it was really up to me to decide what I thought was healthy for myself. And using the knowledge I have about the human body, I, I was very careful in charting my progress and trying to see what activities were good for me and what weren't. And that took a lot of time. Mm -hmm. uh, and there's a little bit of risk because each time you each time you wonder, am I making this worse? Every year I go in and do go through a battery of tests. And every year I cross my fingers going, OK, hopefully I didn't do any damage. Hopefully I didn't do any damage. And so far I'm doing really well and my heart's actually improving. So that's really mm -hmm. exciting to hear. That's awesome. That's such a great story. And you're surrounded by a team of doctors who follow you and and advise you. How have mentors impacted this journey for you? Because I imagine, you know, coming from a world of a professional athlete, getting diagnosed with AR, ARVC, you, you would know nothing about it, right? So it's a whole education there, right? Mm -hmm. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, it was, 
a difficult one because even in 2016, the doctors themselves did not know very much about the disease. And every single person is so unique. You know, we don't all follow the same pattern with the disease. So it's difficult to say, okay, um, this person did this, so you could do that. You, you can't compare from, from patient to patient and you have to treat each one individually. So it took a lot of work for me uh, to work with the doctors and to trust that I, I wasn't hurting myself and to really listen to them when, when they said that was enough. Mentally, I had uh, an amazing mentor, uh, Walt Sutton. He was an old client of mine, and he helped guide me through the process of getting rid of my identity, letting my identity go, and just being able to be open to whatever possibility was going to come next, which became mm -hmm. a really exciting time. When you have an empty slate, what are you going to put on it? What do you want to be? Who do you want to be? And that was a really fun process for me. Mm, I love that. When you have an empty slate, what do you put on it? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure you experimented quite a bit with a number of different things, right? Oh, I went crazy. Yeah, I did some silly things. I... My entire life was so revolved around sports that I didn't even know what else I liked to do. And so I picked up gardening and painting, and I even took an improv class, two of them, actually. All right, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> How was the improv class? Uh, the first one was absolutely fabulous. It was so fun to get permission to be silly. I'm not funny. And I'm not spontaneous. I planned everything. So mm -hmm. it was it was a fun experience. And the problem with the second class is then they I'm dealing with real actors. And then they start planning things. And then it taps into my old structure of trying to be too organized. And then I really wasn't funny at all. So mm. it took some of the fun out of it. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, that's awesome that you got to try that. So then fast forward and you establish your personal training business. Yeah, well, lucky for me, I started my business in 2003, this, this, this uh, Pits Energy Training Inc. So it had been going on for a long time. So I had some very loyal clients. Uh, I also had hired a subcontractor just before I got sick. So I could use her, uh, she was able to fill in for me and, and help me as I was going through a lot of my medical treatments and trying to figure things out. My clients were very supportive and I found other tricky ways of still coaching. Like I bought an electric bike. So I coach outside on electric bike, which yes. is fun because I get to yell and talk to them without putting any effort in and I get to be with them all the time. And I, created different strategies so I'm not doing as much of the physical work um, making them do it and I'm more of the guide the coach and the teacher uh, instead of doing it, all the activities with them so mm. I was able to continue with my business I didn't have to change it in any way and um, and yeah it just it's still if anything it is improved because of the lessons that I learned through going through this, this disease state, I learned more about how health is not just the physical 
aspect. It's not just about lifting weights or losing weight or anything like that. It's you have to really involve the social, the emotional, and the mental health of a, of a client as well and wrap that all into the training program. So I feel mm. like my training programs are way more complex, way more well-rounded. Um, yeah. And I'm ho- hoping that they can they are sustainable for longer in, in the client's lives. Mm. So not only do you speak to the physical well-being, you also speak to the emotional well-being of the client. Correct. You can't so, have one without the other. <laughs> All right. And, you know, you talked about mentors in your life, right? And, um, you know, in, in terms of mentors, you have several mentors or one or two mentors to help you grow and scale your business. Yeah, I have one main mentor. He, like I said, Walt Sutton, he's, he was a CEO. He's owned several businesses. And he's also a writer as well. So we've been, okay. we share, <laughs> we share love for writing. So I've helped him edit some of his books that he's written and he's helped edit some of mine. And then throughout writing this book, I discovered several of my beta readers ended up becoming mentors as well, or um, teachers, more of teachers, I guess, than mentors, as they mm-hmm. asked really tough questions of me as I was writing the book and I really had to dig deeper into okay what was really going on at that point and not be superficial throughout the book Mm, that's amazing and it your first time author so did you have any knowledge of writing and publishing when you started the journey I have written for the Vancouver Courier, which was a local paper for many years that shut down just before uh, or just during COVID. And Mm -hmm. now you can find them online uh, through a website called Vancouver is Awesome. So I did write for about four years. I had a biweekly column and I learned a lot about editing through uh, her editing my pieces each week Mm -hmm. or every other week. And I write for my own blog and my own newsletters educating my clients so I had some writing experience but not writing a story so it took me five years to write my book five years five years (laughs) wow part of it was that it was therapy and part of Mm -hmm. it is it's your life so I wanted it only to be three years of my life but I needed to have some growth within that three years so Mm -hmm. not only did I need to grow but I needed to be able to articulate that growth. Mm-hmm. And that took even more growth to be able to look back objectively and see what was really going on. And then I was taking courses on how to publish. I've never self-published. So there is everything you can find online for free on how you can self-publish your own book. It's just mm-hmm. a matter of digging through it all, listening to workshops, paying for you know little little workshops here and there. Um, And I did pay for a private or a professional editor to edit. And I paid for someone to help me with my my cover. But the rest I did all my own. Amazing. I am so impressed. (laughs) (laughs) I I couldn't believe the day it finally got out there. I was like, I did it. I did it. I'm super Mm -hmm. excited. And now it is on Amazon, right? Yes. Yeah, you can buy it through my website, but I suggest it's probably faster and easier to get it through Amazon. 
mm -hmm. um, all over the world, anywhere English speaking. It's not translated in any other languages. So yes, um, yes, <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. You heard it, listeners. You heard it here first. Christina Bangma, personal trainer, author of Athletes at Heart, right? Yeah. Awesome. So one of the things I like to ask my guests is what local global impact project are you currently working on? that really feeds your soul? Yeah, after being diagnosed with a genetic disease that nobody knows about, I have become quite passionate in raising awareness for the disease and other sad diseases, which stands for sudden arrhythmic death syndrome. And so there's two charities that I put my time and effort into. The first mm -hmm. is the Triple Crown for Hearts, which is a local uh, charity race. And it's riding up three mountains in Vancouver, 75 kilometers. It's an intense ride. And they raise money for children born with genetic heart disease and their families, helping them to support them through this time. So mm -hmm. I personally take a group of new riders up just one mountain because it is intense. And we just do one mountain. We meet them at the end. And then I raise money for the cause as well. And probably a lot of my, let's say, yeah, about 25%, 30% of my kids, energy, clients, cycling clients will do it with me to support mm -hmm. the cause. So that's a big one. And then the other one is trying to help support the SADS um, foundation. And yes. it helps educate um, people, the public, and families that are that are suffering with um with genetic heart diseases, mm -hmm. helping educate and support them. So okay. in February, February is Heart Month. So two dollars yeah. of every book for the month of February will go to the SAS Foundation. All right, you heard it here first, listeners. Get your book. <laughs> Support a fantastic cause. Well, I, I love that, you know, you're you're giving back and you're contributing back. And um it's it's definitely wonderful, you know, that you're doing that, right? Um, to provide the education and awareness. Absolutely. It's a scary thing, and so especially for children and athletes, mm -hmm. it can come on quite suddenly. So mm -hmm. being aware of the signs and symptoms first before, before um, you know, you have a, a life-threatening situation. Mm. Christina, you know, as a business owner, right, and as a professional athlete, what traits did you transfer from being a professional athlete into running your business, you know? Absolutely. I believe that to be a successful entrepreneur, you need to play both roles. You need to be both the coach and the athlete. So as the coach, you need to look at the athlete, which is yourself, which is difficult to do, and really evaluate what your strengths and your weaknesses are. And then you need to develop a plan using those strengths, or you got to work on the weaknesses to bring them up, um, to create a plan towards the goal, whatever whatever your business goal is. And then as an athlete, 
it's your responsibility to cultivate habits and develop the determination to execute that plan as well as you possibly can. And then throughout the year, I feel that I, as a coach and an athlete, I need to juggle between those two responsibilities and move fluidly between the two. So as yeah. I'm doggedly working as an athlete, then um, I need to be able to step back every once in a while as a coach and see if my plan is actually working. If it is, we keep moving forward. If it's not, we need to adjust and make changes to that plan. Um, and I believe that I play this role very well in adjusting my training programs with my clients and my actual uh, business plan um, accordingly to what's working and what doesn't. All right. So you're providing your service to fit the customer needs. When we look at, you know, the backbone of a business, right? You're providing that service, but there's also, you know, how do you run that business, right? The um the accounts inside of things, the back office operation. How has that been for you, right? Uh yeah. There's many different ways of tackling it. The as an entrepreneur, you have to be all those different things. And not everybody has the ability or the time or the skill set. So I do hire an accountant to help me with the accounting. Um, catches all my mistakes as I go through. <laughs> so I don't have to wait till the end of the year to try and clean it up. So I, I believe that hiring people to help you where you feel you have a weakness it also, as a as a athlete, uh, you learn to prioritize what what is the most important, what's going to get you to your goal. So, as an entrepreneur, you have to prioritize as well. What are the things that are the most important? And it it, it changes and juggles as you go. When you're really busy, you're not going to spend a lot of time on marketing and advertising. The flip side is you're not always going to be busy. People get sick, they go away, they finish their goal and stop training. They, you know, change the plans, they get pregnant, you know, all these different things that take them away from their training. So then you need to pivot again and go, okay, now my client base is low. We got to work on marketing and advertising. In a perfect world, you're constantly working on both as you go. So it's a constant growth and change. Also, as an entrepreneur and a personal trainer, you need to stay up to date with the most um, current trends. You know, what social media is, is working, where should you be putting your marketing? And then, um, you know, are, is everybody doing Zoom? Are we doing YouTube videos now? Are we, you know, what technology is being used? And I think in any business, you need to be up to date. You know, to update your website. There's so many different things. So you're constantly throughout the season and throughout the year changing your focus mm -hmm. to what is that priority in that moment in time okay. yeah and it's, it can be a very I love it one thing I love about being an entrepreneur is because I can do all I can do all those things I'm not great at all of them but I love to learn and I love to 
you know, I love to learn. I've created my own website. You know, I got to learn how to do that. You know, you, you, you get to be creative and you get to be structured. You get to explore new ideas. And then because my clients have been with me for so long, before I was dealing with post and pre-menopause or postpartum, pre and postpartum kind of clients, now we're looking at pre and postmenopausal clients. So it's a whole new education set that you're trying to learn and adapt to. Oh. <laughs> As a personal trainer and athlete, Christina, heading into February, a lot of people would have had the New Year's resolution done in January, hit the gym, you know, have some great wellness goals, right? And we know for a fact that quite a few people fall off towards the end of, of January. So I just want to get into what is the mindset of an athlete or of an individual who's taken on a goal of, you know, bringing up their physical fitness. And for you, you work not only on physical fitness, the emotional fitness. So what sort of mindsets would one have as an athlete? Absolutely. That's a good question. And the January New Year's resolutions, I don't have any problem with that to a point where every person, the same as an athlete, if you're going to pick a goal and you're going to pick a sport, it has to be something that you really love. You have to be passionate or at least excited to the minimum about it. Because <laughs> if, if you don't love it, you're not going to maintain it. The majority of the time that we spend, especially as a professional athlete, it, you don't, it's not fun. It's not glamorous. It's tedious and it's difficult. And so you really have to love that process. You have to love what you're doing. And then it becomes easy to choose to do it because you just enjoy it. No matter if you reach the goal or not, you just love the process. So that's mm -hmm. the first thing when anybody comes to me and they have a goal, I ask them like, do you really love to do this? Or are you just trying to say, okay, yeah, I've run a marathon. If you don't love to <laughs> run, don't choose a marathon. Mm. Do you think an athlete is born or nurtured? I believe they can be both. Mm -hmm. I think that you have a general sense of if you're a born athlete, it comes easy to you and you enjoy it. And so you do more of it. If you're not a born athlete, you may have a passion for something and it may be really hard because you're not born specifically for that purpose, your body's not that tight, but you love it so much that you can learn and you can overcome that obstacle or, or whatever the, the issue is. If you're a short person and you want to be a basketball player, there are people that have overcome that by having a bigger reach and a bigger jump, right? Yeah. So you, I, I believe you can do both if you have the desire. Mm. And cultivating that athletic mindset, how would one do that? Yeah, the having the athletic mindset, it takes determination and perseverance. 
And the best way to maintain that or to cultivate that for anybody is to create habits. Mm -hmm. So an athletic mindset is all about creating daily habits that get them one step each day, even if it's a tiny step towards their goal. So they never have to wake up and go, oh, do I feel like going for a run today? Or how long should I run? Or, you know, it's raining out. I'm not going to go for a ride. No, they just get up and they say their habit is they run X couple of kilometers, uh, whatever for that day. And that's what they do. They don't think about it. So you take out the emotion, you take out the, the feeling out of it. And then it just becomes something that you do. Mm. And you coach a lot of athletes from yeah. a lot of different backgrounds. <laughs> yes, from many, many different backgrounds. From, you know, some of my clients have never been on a bike since they were a little kid. And then they're riding 122 kilometers from Vancouver to Whistler in a, in a ground condo or a two-day bike race. Or they do a triathlon mm. or Ironman. All those mm -hmm. things. So how long do you take them through that process in order to be ready for a 120 or 180 grand fondo? For any real, any endurance program, you need a minimum of three months. Mm -hmm. And the longer you have, the better. But I won't take anybody on who is less than three months away from their goal. It's just not, we don't have enough time. Now, three months also assumes that you're not going to do any big travel. You're not going to get sick for any major amount of time. You're not going to get injured. So it doesn't give you a lot of wiggle room. So usually mm -hmm. I suggest five to six months. So my cycling program that I coach every summer is a five-month cycling program. So you can come in and barely, you know, just be able, as long as you can ride a bike and keep it going, I can get you to 120-kilometer race in five months' time. Hmm. that's amazing and uh, have you had somebody who went from zero activity to doing like a big race like a grand funder somebody who I first have. came to you okay. yeah yeah I have I have trained um they have to have a certain level of fitness or a lot of time to build their fitness and that's something we talk about when I talk about the emotional component or the social component we look at their lifestyle you know I had a client that came to me and said I want to do Ironman and I said well you you you're an entrepreneur with three young children under the age of eight I said do you love your wife and he says yes and I said well then I highly suggest you don't do an Ironman until your children are in their teens and I wouldn't <laughs> coach him before that Okay. And he thanked me for it because you do certain events that you want to do require a certain amount of time. And if you're mm -hmm. coming in with less fitness, it may take you more time and you have to put more of an effort in. Mm -hmm. You have to be realistic with, with that goal. And, and as a coach, it's important that you tell your clients or your athlete what is realistic for them. Mm. I love that, you know, you gave him that advice because we all know, you know, most carrier people, you're working pretty much eight hours a day, much less if you own a business, you're working a lot more hours. And then balancing that with a family and trying to fit a rigorous regime into that, 
you know, speed of life already, that can be quite challenging. So it's it's great that you were able to do that reality check, right? And we all kind of need that. I know for myself last year with two young kids, I hadn't been exercising for a while and I went into the gym and I'm like, okay, I want a exercise routine that I can do in 30 minutes, right? And I want to be able to do it every day. Well, that did not occur for me because I was just too busy with all the running around above and beyond my day-to-day -day work. And um, I quickly realized that and I was like, okay, I'm opening my home gym. <laughs> Excellent idea. That, that worked better for me. Getting up in the morning and going into the gym in my house worked rather than going out, you know? Yeah. So so that was that was kind of cool. Um Anyway, I say that, you know, to say to the moms out there who are into the New Year resolution and to the get fit quick, you heard it here first, okay? <laughs> yeah. Know your limit, know your time, right? Well, you, you tapped on a very important one where you found your obstacle and you found a way to get over the obstacle. So that's mm -hmm. some of the conversations we have. Yeah. what things are going to hold you back and how can you eliminate those obstacles yeah that's amazing and then you talk about the emotional well-being right but what about also what you feed the body for fitness as an athlete what that is a loaded loaded question especially nowadays mm -hmm. with so many diets and diet plans out there and personally, I do not adhere and I do not su support or encourage any specific diet. Mm -hmm. I encourage healthy, well-balanced, grounded eating. And I try to make very, in my mind, simple rules, which allows you to choose whatever food you want, as long as you are eliminating or reducing sugar, alcohol, mm -hmm fast food, and pretty much any takeout food mm -hmm. or any sort of uh, restaurant type food. Yeah. If you are making it your own at home, you know, you can see what you're putting into it. You can see the ingredients. And then from there, if people want to get into it more in depth, when we look at breaking down, educating people on macronutrients and which ones are important and at what times of day, you know, you start to get really kind of specific. But whatever plan you're going to have, it should be something that you can maintain for the rest of your life. Because it's, it's awful and difficult for the body to lose weight um, in a short period of time only to gain it back and then more so. And mm -hmm. <laughs> very frustrating for the client and not sustainable. Mm -hmm. So whatever habits you're choosing, again, I'm big on habits, mm -hmm. is choosing a habit that you can adopt and actually enjoy. So you enjoy your food, you enjoy cooking, you can take pleasure in it. And it's not, there's never a bad food. There's just better choices. All right. I love it. I love it. You heard it here, folks. You heard it from Christina Bagman. <laughs>
All right, all right. So we've talked about a lot of things. Self-care is something, you know, I always bring up with my guests. And as a personal trainer, I'm curious to know, what do you do to set your tone for the day? For the past 14 years, I start every single day, rain or shine, seven days a week with a dog uh, dog walk. So uh -huh. I walk my dog first thing in the morning. Mm -hmm. And when I used to train clients at 6 a.m., I would set my alarm at 4.30 to take the dog out. That's how special and how precious that time was to me. And it was not only a time to bond with my dog, but also a time to before the day begins to reflect, meditate, and set myself up for the day. Mm. Now, sadly, my dog just recently died. So, so I've been doing the walks on my own. Yeah, it's been very sad. I've been doing mm. the walks on my own, forcing myself to get out, but it's just not the same. So mm. we, my husband and I are on the search for a new rescue puppy to add to our, uh, our family home. All right. Well, I hope you find one pretty soon. I hope so too. <laughs> pretty lonely without a dog in the house. <laughs> I can imagine. Um, in terms of music, we know it helps to change your vibrations. Like what, what's your go-to album or song that you listen to on a daily basis? Uh, I was, Afraid of this question because I am not a big music buff. I'm a Spotify, let's put on a, a genre. Yeah. And I have two, that I, I have maybe three. When I listen to, uh, when I write, I listen to piano, pure piano uh, mm -hmm. music. It, it's soothing and calming. And when I work out, I don't usually listen to music at all. I spend a lot mm. of time in the gym. It's all the pop hits. And I find it extremely distracting. I like okay. to listen to my breathing. I focus on my form. Uh, even when I was running and training for, you know, Ironman, I never listened to music. I like to feel my, my body and be in the moment. And I found that the music was more distracting than anything. Mm -hmm. And... If I do listen to music in the car, it's usually country music because I love stories. Okay. <laughs> country music always has a story, you know, but something happens and, you know, it's usually, you know, it's usually beer and women and dogs and whatever, but <laughs> um, I, I love, I love country music. <laughs> okay. So who's your favorite singer of country music? All right now it's uh my favorite song. What is it? A uh, fast car. What is it like? Home. Okay. Uh, cool. Is that who it is? Uh, fast car. I'm reading, listening to that on repeat. I don't know why. <laughs> All right. Well, that's awesome. Good, good. <laughs> so we are gonna try to wrap things up, and I'm gonna get you through a few more questions. Absolutely. Tell me about a dream you want to realize one day. You are, I was thinking about something that I told my husband yesterday and he just laughed at me. So I haven't taken any steps toward it yet, but I have this dream of living on a property that's almost self-sustainable. So having my own fruit trees, vegetable trees, animals, chickens, it's, I'm not sure how realistic the dream is, but I'm I'm trying to work 
towards that. I love to be in nature and I love to live off the land. So I think that would be a fun experiment to do for a little while. That is quite realistic. You just have to look up some farms for sale. <laughs> and learn how to farm. <laughs> Pretty much. Minor complications. <laughs> Speak to me about a day you were very proud of. So during COVID or, you know, in 2020, when the pandemic hit, many businesses were really affected. Mine being a personal training business where we meet one-on-one, that was our bread and butter. So when the gym closed that I was training at, um, my my business basically went to zero. You know, I couldn't take client cycling. We didn't know what was going on. Mm-hmm. And so through the all the work that I had done on myself throughout my diagnosis and creating a new identity and being able to quickly pivot and change, I was able to put on my coaching hat and assess the situation and decide, okay, I need to quickly change. I need to make up a new plan because, you know, I can't just wait for the world to start again. Absolutely. And so very quickly, within a couple of weeks, I discovered Zoom and discovered that I could teach group classes and one-on-one training classes um, from home. And I set Mm -hmm. up a small gym, similar to you. I have my own gym that I love. Nice big green TV so I can see all my clients almost in real life. And I set up about 60% of my business online. And I was, that's one that I'm, I'm really proud of myself. You know, I didn't allow it to, to get me down. And mm-hmm. it was a fun, a fun experiment because in one way you couldn't fail because everybody was new to Zoom and everybody was struggling. So nobody oh, had yeah. the great expectations. Yeah. So, you know, the bar was set pretty low in the beginning. And so it was a, it, it was, I, I really kind of jumped in with both feet and I had mm. a lot of fun with it. It mm. lasted for about three years. Almost, I'm going on four. I still have a few clients online that I trained from New York and uh, different cities. Yeah. I still do some group classes online. So it, it's been a lot of fun. It was a new after being in the business for 23 years, it was a mm-hmm. fun new challenge and mm-hmm. I enjoyed, enjoyed the change. Well, it's amazing, you know, that you were able to pivot that way and a lot of businesses pivoted online. So it's good that you did that and you still have it going. So for somebody who's listening and who's looking for a personal trainer, how can they connect with you? <laughs> Absolutely. They can connect through my business website, kitsenergy.com, uh, and they can check out all the different services that I offer. I also have a YouTube channel with some free classes, mobility and strength training classes. So that's Kits Energy. It's my YouTube handle. You can check it out there. And then I post a bunch of my blogs and newsletters through Instagram as well, with information on diet, nutrition, Um, different books that I'm reading that are helpful stuff like that Mm -hmm. well awesome I'll drop that in the blog nugget once it's published (laughs) right on so we are winding down let's start with I believe I believe that people are more capable of what they think they are I'm just gonna let that sit (laughs) (laughs) And 
complete this sentence. I am and I love. I am always evolving. And I love to move my body in general, but even more so outside in nature and through the mouth. I love it. If there is any last words of wisdom you would like to share with our listeners, what is it? In my book, when I sign it, one of the quotes that I love is, we have one life, just one. Why are we not all running like we are on fire towards our wildest dreams? And that's what I'd like to leave with my listeners is that we just have one life. And so if you have a dream, you have a passion, you have a goal, don't let anybody stop you from going for it. Very wise words. Christina Bagman, everyone. Author, personal trainer, businesswoman. Thank you so much for coming on the Canadian Side Hustle and Business Podcast. It was such a pleasure to have you on. You have an amazing story. Thank you so much, Irenia. It's been a lot of fun. All right. Thank you so much for staying this long listening to the Canadian Side Hustle and Business Podcast. Be sure to hit that follow button on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And most importantly, please rate and review this podcast, this particular episode on Apple Podcasts because it helps to elevate the brand. Until next time, stay inspired. This is, after all, a podcast for everyday people like you and me. I'm your host, Irene Roussel.